Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. My name is Jared Piles, and with me is Dr. Robert McDowell. Hello. Hello, sir. We are continuing our series on the basics of education, calling it the Back to Basics series to help you prepare for the upcoming semester. That is assuming that you're listening to this as we record it, which you may be listening to this later on, which is fine. This is good information for regardless of of uh, when you listen. So, All right. We are going to talk about now the K-12 term is classroom management, but we decided to higher educationify it. And now it's instructional management because learning in higher ed isn't always in a physical classroom. Amen. So instructional management. We need to introduce it. We're going to define it. And we're going to talk about some practical aspects of instructional management. So whenever you're ready, Dr. Robert McDowell, why don't you bring us into what is instructional management? Uh, it's a conglomeration of many different things that has to do with the learning environment and the expectations surrounding those actors within that learning environment. And specifically, we're talking about faculty and students. So that really limits our conversation. Um, Obviously, age is something that needs to be considered, not only of the students, but also the faculty member. Yep. Um, you know, how much student autonomy is there? You know, K through 12, it's a lot less. Right. Higher ed, we tend to be, expect a lot more out of, out of our students. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the teacher's role or the faculty member's role in that. Uh, also, Behavior, how do you act, not just the faculty member, but also the student in the course? Right, yeah, that's that's an interesting one because K-12, you're worried a lot about behavior. Mm-hmm. And higher ed, it's not necessarily, this may be assuming a bit, you don't have to worry about that nearly as much. You don't have to have the, I have to put your pen down to level yellow if you don't behave today or you don't get to go to recess. No, but I think if we hearken back to uh, Dr. Schultz's meeting with us and also in his book, you'll see that he actually does quite a bit, especially when he starts his class. Right. Right. He treats them as adults and he, in so doing, expects them to do the same with him. So there's like a setting of the expectation levels of behavior and interaction with one another. Yeah. Yeah. So I think from that perspective, yeah, behavioral expectations, you're going to treat one another with respect. Um as being created in the image of God. Specifically, Dr. Schultz would would bring that forward in his servant teaching. So we're kind of going back to servant teaching. It's, in a nutshell, instructional management is the laboratory, if you will, of servant teaching. Ooh, interesting. I like that. Yeah. We also have legal considerations that we need to, to think about. Maybe not so much in higher ed as we have in K-12, through but we do have FERPA. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very, very careful about things that you disclose as a faculty member. And honestly, students also need to be made aware of the things that they need to be careful in disclosing or saying, not just about a faculty member, but another student. Yeah, yeah. Um, So those are things that need to be addressed in a communications um, expectation session or email or announcement. All that to say, there are rules and regulations about how we should interact with one another. Right. Uh, assessment and feedback is also uh, super important. And again, that goes that goes back to communication. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Interesting. Of all the ones we've talked about, that one between K twelve and higher ed seems to be almost the same. Where you still want to give feedback on assignments and and classwork and stuff in K-12, you also want to do that with higher ed as well. Right. I think there's an added expectation, though. For higher ed? For higher ed, yeah. I think that added expectation, and it needs to be uh, explicit from the faculty member. Some may not believe this, but I do. Is that you need to tell your students, I do expect you to read my feedback, Mm. and I do expect you to make changes. Mm. Because I'm not spending my time, you know, thinking deeply about what you've, what you've put in front of me. Right. You need to respect my time just as much as I'm respecting yours and taking time to evaluate it. That comes back to the responsibility of the student as well and knowing, you know, you have adult students in your Correct. classroom. So there's an element of expectation. Mm-hmm. There's an element of them knowing that this exists. And one of the things as a faculty member, you could say when a student is, you know, struggling with uh, a question or still not grasping onto the gist of the content or whatever, you could reply with, well, have you taken a look at my feedback you've given right. that I've given you on this and stuff like that. So, so again, you go back to servant teaching. I think all of this lines up one, the last part is the use of technology or the setting or the context in which a class is being managed or given. And so, you know, online you have to be very, very aware because context is king Mm -hmm. in any communication. And so whatever context you're building on online and you have to spend more time building context online than maybe in a face-to-face where I'm not reading your facial response to what I just said. So what we need to look at is really some practical aspects of this. And a lot of the stuff that you talked about really can be synthesized in the syllabus. Like when you've got that first day with your students, that's an excellent opportunity. Or if it's online, that first week, Mm -hmm. it's an excellent opportunity for you to lay all the groundwork out for all of this and say, here's my late policy. Here are my in-class expectations. Here are my lecture expectations. You know, you can lay all that clearly right there on that first day in class. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about some practical. Let's, let's, you know, we we always consult with our podcast assistant, ChatGPT. And ChatGPT gave us some advice on things to talk about when it comes to instructional management for the higher education environment. The first one is to set clear expectations. And this is, you already mentioned this mm-hmm. once, but it's really important to really set that. Uh, any kind of guidelines you have for communicating, if you're having any sort of collaboration in your class, this is something 
that you want to lay the groundwork for before you go into it, uh, or assignments, late policy, but being very clear and sticking with those expectations right. throughout the semester. Because sometimes it can be hard to, you know, keep that up because you're thinking, oh, that's all right. They can, you can turn that in late. Just don't tell anybody. Well, and I think it goes to the issue of making sure that in your being clear that you haven't overcommitted or you've over asked, if I could say it that way. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you've probably given more detail than you needed to give, or you've created more red tape than you needed to create. And I think that comes with experience, obviously. Um, but sometimes you can paint yourself into a corner if you're not careful that really you can't meet, nor can anyone else. So yeah. that's, that's a real, I think that's a danger. Uh, mm-hmm. on one side, but on the other side is not giving enough detail. Yeah. Right? right. And so when you define your expectations, you need to say what it is and what it isn't, mm-hmm. I think, and give examples of both. Right. I think that's good. And of course, you know, some expectations will be the same based mm-hmm. on the environment that you're teaching in, you know, per, in person, online, or right. hybrid, or, but sometimes they will be different. Like I'm working right now with a professor on a course and um, they just submitted their face-to-face syllabus, which had some of their policies in there. And some of those I could just put into the online version of the course that we're building. Mm -hmm. No problem. But some of them like late policy, stuff like that, it needs to be defined differently for online versus face-to-face. So I think it's important to keep that in mind Yes, as well. We did mention it earlier. Um, the teacher's role in guiding discussions, uh, encouraging critical thinking, like what can be expected. I think that's another example of instructional management. So another thing you want to clarify with your students as you go through instructional management is promoting student engagement. Now, this is something where you've got in the classroom, you're creating an active environment that could be through discussions, group projects, Anything hands-on in the classroom, any kind of interaction between students. Mm-hmm. This is that student-to-student interaction. If I can borrow from my favorite framework ever, the community of inquiry. Da-da-da. Thank you. Uh, student-to-student interaction and student and instructor interaction. You do that through some sort of student engagement that you have going on. And it's helping you also manage your classroom, manage your instructional time. Because it's keeping students active and it's giving them a reason right. to come to class. Yeah. Anytime they can interact with one another, it definitely enriches the experience. Online, face-to-face, if there's good questions, topics that they latch on to, it really makes a difference. Because then they start driving the learning because that's essentially what you get to is their internal motivation starts pushing yeah, where the class heads. And if you've done your job well, you can help direct that in the ways you want it to go. Now, as someone who's an introvert, I used to hate the turn and discuss with your partner things. However, like you said, if you create an environment that's easy for an introvert to get into, Mm. like if they feel like they're an expert into something, or if you do kind of a personal reflection part of it, they're more likely to step into that role. And be willing to share. Like if you, you put them out on an island and it's like it's, this is new information to you, 
talk about it as an introvert, I'd be like, nope, because I'm afraid I'm going to look stupid in front of all my peers. So instead, do it as a review activity and say, okay, won't you, with your neighbors, give me a one-minute synopsis of the stuff we just talked about for the last 20 minutes. So have an opinion on something, react to something. Yeah, react to this quote Mm -hmm. that's at the end of the lecture that you just presented for like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. React to this and then turn and then we're going to share it with the whole class. Old think, pair, and share. There you go. From the K-12 days. So along with that is, and I think you bridged it really well, You, you know, you talked about accessibility and accessibility is a broad term. I know the language out there is in inclusion, but that also has baggage with it. So I tend to like to say, make your classroom accessible. And that goes towards your learners as well. So what you had to say about introverts really helps move us into this idea of accessibility and thinking about how students can interact in the class, uh, whether it be face-to-face or online and providing opportunities to, you know, just enrich the whole experience. So on that first day, when you're sharing your syllabus or that first week online, something that would really help with that is finding out information about your students. Are you talking like a break the ice type of discussion? No, not that. I mean, icebreaker online, sure. But sending out a survey of something like, hey, what kind of student are you? Do you Uh, like using technology? mm. Do you not like using technology? How Mm -hmm. do you learn best? Do you know how you learn best? Are you someone that likes to speak up in class? Are you someone that likes to fade into the background? That's really good. Because that's going to inform almost any part of it. Because you may be gearing up for 25 extroverted students. Mm. By the way, good luck managing that. (laughs) Especially if you're an introvert teacher. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can I have another section? Um But you may have students that are just completely introverted Mm -hmm. and you're expecting extroverted students. Right. But knowing that ahead of time so you don't explode in class, you know, your lecture doesn't fall flat. Or why are they not paying attention? Yeah. Why are they not responding to my discussion questions? Why does that one dude keep talking when Mm -hmm. I ask for questions or Mm -hmm. wanting feedback? It is very helpful. It's kind of almost like a pretest for your students. Like, where are they? Who are they? Who am I dealing with? And I will say in higher education, that is much more difficult than in K through 12. Yeah. In K through 12, there's a lot of, you know, cross pollination and crosstalk between teachers. Uh, They talk about their students with one another all the time, right? In, you know, a setting like this, you've got FERPA, you've got all those things, like who actually has access to it. So, right. Not all the teachers can actually talk about a student. They don't really have any reason or business in that student's educational experience or, you know, track. So if they they have no reason to be there, then they're not supposed to be. At least that's my understanding. Yeah, that's interesting because you want to create an environment that is inclusive. You also want to, you know, promote student engagement um, throughout it. But it also helps move you to how you're going to use technology. Yeah. So when you know those things, you know who your students are, right? You know how they respond. Then you can tweak things. Even maybe a question that you think, oh, this may not resonate. If you can just tweak it ever so slightly to resonate with different learners. And that goes to culture too. Mm -hmm. You know, millennials 
are much different than Gen Zers, and I don't even know what what's our generation that we're dealing with now. Uh, Gen is it still Y. Gen, Gen Y. Or is it? Oh no, I think it would be Gen Y, Gen Z, and then there's like a just Gen Z. It's just Gen Z at this point. So we're still dealing with Gen Z. Still dealing with Gen Z. Yeah. In leveraging technology, one of the things I think also has to come out is that from a faculty member, one, you need to know what you're using. Yeah. And you need to be able to use it well. So taking the time to know what you're using is important and being able to facilitate what you need to. The other is don't assume that students actually know how to use it. Thank you for saying that. Um, say it again. Especially with Gen For the people in the back, say it again. You cannot assume that students, especially this generation, because they've had the internet, they've had iPads, they've had smartphones, all these things that they actually know how to use it. Because a lot of them do not actually know how to use some of these software packages. Yeah. And it's not major. It's just simple things like logging into a system. (laughs) (laughs) Opening word. Yeah. (laughs) So finally, ChatGPT recommends we talk about continuous improvement and responsiveness when it comes to, and this is actually going to be a perfect segue for our next episode on communication. Yeah. Because ChatGPT wants me to let you know that it's important to have ongoing assessment and feedback for learning environment management or instructional management. Mm-hmm. You know, having student evaluations and the ability as an instructor to change if something goes wrong. Right. I don't think I've ever met a great teacher who wasn't always doing that. Yeah. Asking questions. Do you understand? If not, why not? And if they get a blank stare, then they figure a way in to get people's attention and try to figure out why in the world they're not paying attention in the first place. And I think asking students for feedback after a lecture or at a midpoint in the semester can be a very humbling experience because you can find out some things that you're not even aware. It's incredibly valuable as well. Not only is it humbling because you're finding out information about your classroom environment that maybe you didn't realize was going on. Right. And you're you're also, man, you can also see the attitudes and the personalities of your students, which that is huge. Yeah. Absolutely. When you give them an opportunity to provide feedback, you'll find out kind of where they sit in terms of their perception of you, Mm -hmm. of the course, and you could then address those things. And we're not talking about like content feedback, like not after a formative assessment. We're talking about, hey, how am I doing in this course? Or how do you think the course is doing? Right. You may prevent that student who's starting to detach from actually detaching. You can bring him back in. And keep them from detaching from the course. Because we all know that that happens every now and then. Well, I think more and more we're going to be able to, you know, analyze data and analyze the interactions that students have, especially as classrooms and online, hybrid, whatever you call it, Mm -hmm. uh, use systems like Canvas. And they can take that interaction data and they can you know, they can analyze it yeah, and figure out where are students headed? Are they checking out? There are those indicators that kind of give you an insight as to where they're, where they're headed. Yeah. It's crucial to keep that in mind 
um, in an online environment because it's so easy to detach in oh, an yeah. online environment. Because yeah. your your students, unless they're in close proximity with one another, they are taking the class essentially by themselves. Right. That's why it's so important to create collaboration and communication and having that close close connection with your students via just responding to an email right. within 24 hours and stuff like that. But we will talk about communication next, on the next one. On the next episode. So thank you for listening to us today. Email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu if you have any questions or show ideas. Leave us a rating, like us, subscribe us, whatever it is that you need to do for your podcast platform. Let's keep this podcast going. Be sure to check out Coffee Drops as well that we randomly drop throughout the week. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.